What is going on? My name is Michael Hacker, and this is the Hacker Outdoors podcast. We are joined today again with Joey McCormick, and I'll leave it at that. We'll jump right in. Man, you look sporting today. You like you like this? I do. What kind of hoodie is that? It's a. It's a I think they're a defunct brand. It's called Nakitano. That's awesome. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's 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 a cool um, cool brand. I got a couple of their sweatshirts. Donna has a couple too, and they're um, they're dashing. I would say they are very dashing. How cold was it up there yesterday? So, so we went to this owl thing last night that I was telling you about. It was hosted yeah. through the Munster County uh, Parks Commission, and it was down by Princeton, um, the Princeton, the township of Princeton, Princeton University. And um, we got down there. It was about an hour and a half from here, maybe, give or take. And it, it was 23 degrees, I think. <laughs> I was going to say, because last night here it was like maybe high 20s. I was yeah. thinking about you out there at the Hooters. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you thinking of me. It was it was really cool. So the the group that's doing this research, um, it's it's called Wild Bird Research Group, I believe. And I've been following a couple of guys on Instagram for a few years. They always post these cool pictures of um, basically bird banding, and they have a couple sites in Costa Rica, here in Jersey, and then PA, and I think Asheville, North Carolina. And they posted something about um, owl banding, uh, saw wet owl banding. And I went on their website and sure enough, I saw that they were doing this event here in, in Jersey and you can go and, and partake in this saw wet owl banding project that they're doing to try and understand migratory patterns and um, get a better understanding of these uh, beautiful creatures. Um, it was, it was pretty cool all in all. Um, you know, I, Don and I love animals. So it was, <laughs> it's always fun yeah. to do anything that involves them. The, the picture you sent me was incredible. That little, baby owl you guys were holding it. I mean, that was awesome. Really, really cool thing to do. Yeah. I'll, I'll link to so, it in show notes so that people can go to the website and also see any kind of the upcoming events too. I think they have one more next week and then they have um, one in PA coming up as well. But um, long story short is these ghost nets to catch owls and they do it at night. They have some sort of sound that's being generated by the net that causes the owls to come into the net. And they get trapped and the volunteers come out and they take them out. They put them in a little bag thing to calm them down and they acclimate them. They measure them, check the sex. They see how big they are. They check their fat and muscle content. They ban them and then, you know, document everything and send them on their way. Um, so we saw, I think it was like four different owls that got caught and released. And then a sharp, yeah, and a sharp shinned hawk, which was pretty cool too. Um, wow, I don't think I've ever seen one of those. They're really small, and actually, I was I was shocked to see how small the owls were. I, you know, I I wouldn't consider myself a birder. I've definitely become somewhat of a background birder in the our backyard birder rather in the past few years since moving out here to suburbia, right? Um, yeah, seeing an owl, and these owls were tiny. I think they said they weighed ninety grams, if I'm not mistaken. And wow, um, when they take off, we watched them get released after they got banded and. You didn't hear a peep. They were incredibly silent. But we were up in this, you know, wooded area just watching them get caught in these nets and the volunteers taking them down and um, not a peep out of these animals. And they're just the most inquisitive looking little faces. And um, really cool to see that this research is going on. And 
I would love to have uh, the guy Tyler on. Uh, I believe he's Tyler. He's one of the gentlemen who runs the bird research group. Um, he also does a lot with large predators here in northern Jersey, where he does, he calls it his hobby, where he does sets up cameras and tries and tracks um, really the only major feline predator I guess we would have in New Jersey officially. I would say officially because I believe we have mountain lions in some way, shape, or form. Um, but the bobcat. Oh, sure you do. The bobcat. Oh, you guys have the bobcat. Yeah. Well, we we saw a bobcat. Um, I took Jimmy fishing for his birthday, my nephew, and brought the whole family up to one of my special spots where I go brook trout fishing. And I left him alone for like a minute, and he's like, "Oh my god, Mike, I'm good." Just turn around, and he's like, "He's like, you just missed it. A bobcat just jumped over the river." <laughs> wow. Yeah, I saw one in um. Believe it or not, Northern Myrtle Beach, um, where we stay at, it, it's, it's, it's not the Myrtle Beach people think of it. It's more north, and uh, it's kind of wild outside of it, country-ish. And um, driving home late one night back to our place, uh, one ran across the street and it caught me off guard. It was, it was crazy seeing one of those. But uh, I'm sure you guys have to have what, – the, the, what is the mountain line? Mountain so line, yeah. So he, people so, swear they see them around me in Hartford County. I they think swear they a, see them here too. And, and it, it's, I've seen things fishing out in Sussex County and out by the Delaware water gap um, that I will say we've, you know, through, <laughs> through family, right? Someone's yeah. emailed the department of, um, you know, whatever you want to call DP or whatever environmental protection here in Jersey. And, and said like, look, here's some tracks and here's some, you know, some fur that was found in the snow. And they come back and say, oh, it's a coyote. It's not, it's not a mountain lion. It's like, that's not a coyote track. Like we know what a dog track looks like. We know what a, a wolf track looks like. You know, I, I know what a bobcat track looks like because I've seen them. Um, but like, this is a little odd. So Don and I went, um, at the beginning of COVID, once it started getting warm, we went horseback riding in, a, in this group, and it was just Donna and I and the, the instructor. And we went up in Sussex County, close to where I found these tracks years ago. And he said that they, I, and he asked me, he goes, he goes, hey, you spent a lot of time up here. And I said, yeah, you know, over the years, I've spent a lot, a lot, a lot of hours up here, and, you know, remote sections, not in the sections that a lot of fishermen go to. And he, I said, why? And he goes, well, do you, have you ever seen anything um, regarding lions up here? And I said, well, actually, as a matter of fact, I have. I found some traps. And he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, everyone I tell tells me I'm crazy. He's like, but one of my employees, because he has a ranch up there, he goes, they have a picture of a mountain lion running across my property one morning. Yeah. And I, I told the guy last night, I said, I said, you know, I would love to get you two in touch. I said, I would love to set up cameras and just find them because I'm sure they're here um, in some way, shape, or form. Once again, it could be a Western mountain lion, cougar, or whatever, uh, you know, Canadian cougar that comes down um, extending its range. But, like, there's obviously something here. Um, I, so not far from me is Hartford County, not very far at all. It's actually extremely close. Somebody posted a picture and I knew the person about a year or two ago, and I'm pretty sure it was a mountain lion, not a bobcat. Yeah, it was a mountain lion, um, and they posted it, and it was the same type of thing. The DNR, or her, I always forget which one it is, 
even with the picture in clear as day, that's what it was. And clear as day, the picture was taken in that person's backyard. It was the same deal. Oh, you know, that's not a mountain lion. It's Y or Z. I, I guess maybe they deny it because they, they can't believe they're seeing that. I don't know. It's... Well, I think there's there's got to be some other stuff, and I think if we if we ever get him on here, I'd love to talk to him a little bit about um, how do you prove something, and what what would be or what would go into actually admitting that you have them here. I mean, obviously there's a public safety issue. Um, I think that there's a conservation issue, right? Because obviously, if there's a small population or even one mountain lion here, that's that would be considered an endangered animal in the state of New Jersey. So there's got to be some sort of protections that have to go into place around it. Right. Um, but what that looks like, I have no idea. Yeah. I've, I've always wondered because to me, it seems like pretty much they want a dead body. Like, <laughs> it's like Sasquatch, know. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, for a long time, like at Brown Bears where I lived, they, they said they weren't here and people would spot them all the time. You know, and we're in the country I and mean, we're not. Brown, Brown Bear or Black Bear? Black Bear, Black Bear, yeah. excuse me. Okay. And, and they said they weren't here anymore for years and years and years. Well, everybody around here was always saying that we're seeing them. They're here. And it was the same thing. They would tell you, no, no, no. And then, I don't know, probably about four or five years ago, the elementary school where I went to uh, was actually put on lockdown because <laughs> there was one on the property. And that's when they finally had to admit, like, yeah, you know, they're, they're back, back here in population. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it was. Because for all these years, people are, you know, People who don't scream wolf were, were seeing these things and they wouldn't accept it. And they had pictures, tracks, just like you guys. It, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's almost as if they, if they don't see it themselves or certify it, it's not true. Right. Exactly. Yes. You know, it, it, it's old Santa Claus myth. If you don't see it or Sasquatch, if you've never seen one, you know, you don't believe in it. Yeah. Well, so here, here's something I just looked up cause I had heard a story about this and it was, um, the same guy that was talking about the mountain lion had said that he's like, well, you know, we, from time to time we get moose here in New Jersey. And I said, well, that's kind of cool. Like obviously having gone to Maine and everything, like I've never seen one up there. It's under the realm of possibility that it's out in these remote parts of our state. Um, there's a January 2nd, 2000 article from the New York Post saying the New York, I'm sorry, New Jersey moose sightings are on the rise. <laughs> no, that's crazy to me. <laughs> wow. Well, so there, there was an article I was actually looking for. No, I believe, I believe again. But there was an article, Joe, that they actually, it was, I don't remember where it was, and I'll see if I can find it, and I'll link to it in the show notes, but it was, um, basically talking about the lone male moose that had come down to New Jersey from wherever it came from, was looking for love and got stuck down here and had no idea basically how to make its way back. But it was in like close to central Jersey, just wandering wow. around the woods. Like, yeah, that, that was my question. That was, that was going to be why my question was, you know, you would think them being in Maine, they, you know, they would branch out to, I don't know, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Etc. Etc. But hearing that, you know, that line of thought, that, yeah, that's that makes sense. It was looking yeah. for the perfect mate. Well, I think mountain lions would probably do the same thing, and you know, I'm not at all an expert on it. But I, my assumption would be, I know they have massive ranges like bears, right, and probably even beyond it. If they're hunting or looking for mates, like 
is it out of the realm of possibility that it would somehow make its way into like Illinois and then in the, into Pennsylvania and then eventually make its way into New Jersey as it's following game. I, it makes sense to me. I, I just, it does to me too. Yeah. You know, what, back in the day, I mean, a lot of these animals were, there was a lot more animals I mean, we're talking years ago around us. Yeah. And population growth and stuff, I guess they, and hunting, you know, they, they pushed further away and or over hunted, et cetera. And uh, like the coyote, like yeah. high school, you know, they claimed there was no coyotes down by us and everybody was seeing them. And it was the same type of thing. Oh, you're not seeing coyotes. You're seeing X, Y, or Z. Right. Well, come to find out there's a huge, you know, coyote boom pretty much in all these States and they're here. Yeah, well, they see them. They, I remember for a while there, they were saying that we didn't have them in, in northern Jersey, like when I lived closer to the city, to Manhattan. And then, like, one day there was a, a news report that there was a coyote in, like, I think, correct me, like downtown Manhattan or something like that. And it was like, how the hell did it get here? It's like, well, guess what? They, they move. Like, we're, yeah. which brings, like, prime example, like today, like, I went, I went striper fishing again. And everything's moving, and just like the saw wheat, uh, saw wet owls, saw however the hell you say that, they, they're all they're moving. They're constantly on the move. Nature's always moving around, looking for you know a better place to live, and you know wintering or summering or whatever it is they do. And um, like the Jersey Shore today was insane. I mean, it, it was me and maybe two other guys at first out there, like pre-dawn, and all of a sudden you just started seeing all these birds fly in and all these like eiders and other types of seafaring ducks and seagulls and, and whatnot. Um, you know, the bass were there and then you start seeing bunker peanut bunker and you saw, you know, shad and like all these other, I'm assuming there were shad like swimming close to the surface and breaching. And then all of a sudden there were thousands of birds flying in out of nowhere and yeah signaling that there was a big run happening and then of course what's chasing that but all the party boats <laughs> i got, I got a, a picture of i think there were like 12 party boats that looked like they were coming from new york oh, just and chase, following the bait down the coast following the bait down the coast man and can't blame them i mean it looked like it was, this thing must have been a mile long the amount of birds there were just dive bombing into the water but there was um I, I don't remember if we have seals or sea lions in New Jersey. I liken to won't be the same, but out there in the lineup too, just chomping away on these fish. Wow. I didn't know that you had those in Jersey either. That's yeah. Amazing. We have a lot of them. Actually, they, they winter here. They come down from, um, I guess, like Cape Cod, New England. Wow. I, Jersey, I mean, that's the one thing. Jersey gets a bad rap. You know, most of the time if people think of Jersey – they think outside Manhattan, bridge and tunnel type of deal, you know, very congested, lots of people. I mean, Jersey's got a ton of nature to it that a lot of people don't realize is there. Like, where you live now, I mean, it blew my mind when we were up there fishing on air flux and seeing all the lakes and all the country around and all the woods. Like, yeah. It's the same. Same with the Jersey Shore. You know, people think Jersey Shore, they think Snooky and <laughs> all that crap. But the Jersey Shore, for the most part, is very pretty, you know. Yeah. Well, and especially this time of year, right? Like, I, I think 
I always had this negative connotation, negative thoughts about about the Jersey Shore. Just you know, spending the summers up in uh, New England. You know, this time of year, the like towns themselves kind of seem a little depressed or depressing to me, at least. But everything does when it's cold, right? But when you get to these beach towns, man, and you get onto that onto that beach, and you know, you're waiting or whatever it is you're doing for fishing, it's just so serene and peaceful because you don't have the crowds that you get in the summertime. Oh yeah, it's a whole nother, whole nother world. Um, Stacy, you know, my, my daughter's mother, um, her mother, Patty, would always go to Ocean City in October. Hmm. Ocean City, Maryland is not like the Jersey Shore. It's small and it's just filled with people. It's basically like um, where Fiber Abrams of the Jersey Shore is filmed. Okay. But she would always go down in October when nobody was there, and it's just beautiful. It's a whole other world. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful and, and, and serene and quiet. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love Jersey. I love the Jersey Shore. I would love, I know, I haven't been there in the real hard off season. I've been there in October, and it's been like that, just real quiet, nobody out there, really, really pretty. And that was in Seaside, too. So. Mm. You know, seaside's not a really place I love, but you know, October was a whole nother world, like you said. Just yeah, well, it's nice down there because you go a little south of Seaside, and there's Island Beach State Park, which is just an awesome beach. Like it gets a little packed in the summertime, but it is a state park, so it tends to be a bit more remote. Now that we're getting into the winter season, um, you know, New Jersey tends to be the fly between for these. Uh, northern birds before they head south for the winter but we have we have um snow owls that winter here wow and yeah, that, what you guys did last night that that was a really awesome deal yeah i would recommend it to anybody joe i would say even if you guys can do it in in maryland like get out and see them because we didn't hold the owls full disclosure you you go and these researchers are licensed and, and regulated for actually banding and holding and, and um, taking care of these animals and it was cool just to witness it because when are you ever going to see an owl up close and personal like that? Like we've gone to the Raptor trust here in Jersey. Um, I rescued a, a bird uh, last winter and I had to bring him down there and I had never really, I've heard of the Raptor trust, never been there. I didn't realize that they had this sprawling like rehab center and they have resident birds and they also have rehabbed birds and these giant um, aviaries, I guess. And you have every bird you can possibly imagine that's found here in Jersey. And it was my first time seeing it up close and personal, but you know, that's a little bit different between that and someone holding an owl. Yeah, like that's not an experience you're going to get a lot, you know, for, for everyone, like really most people don't to be that close to a creature like that. Yeah. Especially yeah. those real small owls and those owls you guys were seeing with a really small, I mean, that, that picture you sent me, that thing was so tiny. They said it fits in a can. That's how small yeah. it is. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. But I, I've heard of that aviary you were just saying before. I don't know where I heard it, but I, I've actually seen video of it. That, that place is amazing. It's, it's a great organization, and I, I definitely recommend anyone who's interested in, in birds or nature or anything like that, get down there and, and, and support them. You know, they take donations. They're a great not-for-profit that rehab injured animals. They rehabbed a, a 
<laughs> a trash penguin that I found. We, <laughs> that's what we call um, the, uh, the pigeon population that lives out here. But something had gotten a pigeon and this poor animal like came up to me while I was coming into the house one morning after the gym and um, was, wouldn't like leave my side. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, this is completely abnormal for a pigeon. Like, look at close, but not this close. Closer inspection, he had, uh, his one wing was droopy and he was bleeding. Oh, man. Um, so I, I brought, brought him down there. They rehabbed him and they gave him his own little, like, I don't know what they call him, but basically his own little flock of pigeons. And um, he, he lived with them. And when they were all healthy enough, they were released together and they became their own little commune. Um, That's so. pretty cool. I mean, that is, that is really cool. So with pigeons, you know, one day, uh, I don't know, it was about three, four years ago, probably longer. I was working this guy's gentleman's house and uh he actually collected pigeons and did the pigeon carrying races i guess they have he had like these really exotic pigeons and they, they would send messages to each other to other people in the group like across country it, it was nuts to kind of see because you know when i see pigeons i think flying rats for the most part <laughs> whether that's right trash, or wrong is trash penguins another, another. Right, trash penguins. But I mean, he was showing me all these pigeons. He had like, oh, I know pigeons, like all these crazy, like this one's super exotic pigeon. It blew my mind that he could like attach like a little piece of paper to him, and that pigeon would know where to go. Like, yeah, insane. I mean, they used them in World War One to, to deliver messages. Yeah, my understanding is this would be interesting to do a little research on, right? I, I... I don't remember. I think they're called carrier pigeons or the yep. subspecies yep. or whatever it is that they're extinct, but you can still get homing pigeons, which are just pigeons that have been trained. So I, I think there's a difference there and it, it's interesting. Like Mike Tyson kept pigeons, right? If, am I yeah, yeah, he did, didn't he? yeah, I think he did. <laughs> well, it always makes me think of that movie. Um, Ghost dog. You ever watch ghost dog? I don't think I have. Oh my God, man! You should watch Ghost Dog. That's an oldie. I might have. I don't. I, I can't remember the top of my head. I've seen old Yeller. Yeah, but is Ghost Dog about pigeons? No, it's it's um, it's an interesting movie. I I'll read you the tagline for it. It's um, oh my God, this must go back. Jeez, twenty years plus. Ghost Dog: The Way of the Samurai. Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai is a 1990 crime film written and directed by Jim Jarmusch. Forrest Whitaker stars as the title character of the mysterious ghost dog, a hitman in the employ of the mafia who follows the ancient code of samurai as outlined in the book Yamamoto um, recorded sayings, Hagukari. So if you haven't read Hagukari, it's a, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but it is a fantastic book. Um, but the way of basically the way of the samurai. Um, oh, I gotta check that out. I, I I have heard of that. And Forrest Whitaker was in. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, great, yeah. great, great movie. Um, but Joe, man, we we gotta talk a little bit about this morning. Oh yeah. So got home, you know, maybe ten o'clock last night right, from from this owl thing. Um, tried going fishing. What was that? Monday? Sunday? Was it? Oh, it was Sunday. You're right. It was Sunday. Yep. Yeah, and there was some gnarly storm system going on and there were gale force winds down the shore. And I just figured it wasn't a good day to be on the beach fishing. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Rightfully so. So a little bummed, 
Um, but I planned on going today because today seems to be my slow day and um, got a few other things going on this week. So wanted to get outside and enjoy the weather while I could. Well, it was 23 degrees last night. It was 23 degrees this morning when I woke up and left. Um, made my way down the shore and just missed the initial sunset onto the beach. And it was glassy conditions, not very um, rough at all. Like you could see the fish blitzing, like I was talking about before. Yeah. The surface. And I said, all right, well, let's put the pencil, right? Um, I had it already set up. I figured I'd get there for that top water action um, through that for maybe about 15, 20 minutes. Not a single, single hit on it. Um, switched it out and put on a bucktail jig and just real slowly and methodically jigged and caught and landed five fish Wow! in the span of like three hours. So it's I switched day. it up. I actually wound up getting snagged in a rock on that and lost my lost it. Um, switched it up, put on a paddle tail, and I launched this thing out there. It hit the water, and not even a second later, my line was just being pulled out like a mile a minute. Wow! Um, and I thought I thought for sure I had one of those monster ones that you see in online yeah. monster striped bass, and uh, it was nice. It was probably about twenty four inch long bass um but it had shoulders and it put up a heck of a fight so that, that i mean that's a good rock fish straight bass that, that's a real 24 inches what's, what's the keeper size 22 up there i i, I think the okay. that's a so, good question there's a they call them slot sizes right right now for the full yeah yep um well, because the reason i ask because a lot of people agree with me on this one who eat straight bass rockfish for some reason, the real big guys, they don't taste as good as the, you know, mid-length, say 25, 34 inches. You should have, if it was keeper size, you know, you should have kept one and had some rockfish tonight. Ugh. The other fishermen on the shore are probably like, what, this guy's releasing keepers. What's he doing? <laughs> oh, you know, there was a good number of guys by the time I left. And, you know, fishermen are always generally pretty friendly so you know we were chatting from a distance and being safe about things and um the guy had seen me you know bending my light tackle I, you know i'm using my <laughs> like catching a dinosaur on my on my light tackle and he's like he's like this guy's got a shark on his line <laughs> right i you know uh, slot fish slot size one fish permit 24 to less than 28 so yeah it would have been well, at least one of them would have been legal, but delicious rockfish. But man, like he comes over, he's like, "How many are you catching over here?" I keep seeing your line. Really, we haven't caught anything. And you know, we were talking a little bit, and you know, if you give him the courtesy, he sees what I'm throwing. He's like, "Do you usually have success with this?" And I said, "You know, I've always had success when I fish with this up in New England, but not, you know, I really don't do much ocean fishing here. Like, it's not." Yeah. At least up to recently, not something that I do much. I'm more of a river guy and, and creek guy. Um, but this today, I think, kind of changed that a little bit. Like, I, I didn't realize I, I had heard how much fun they are, but. Oh, they're oh. so fun. Oh, they, they really are. I mean, we all know I'm, I'm a bass, largemouth, smallmouth guy through and through, but yeah. catching yeah. striped bass is, is so fun. Now, I've, I've never called them from a 
sure, you know, from, from the beach, but I can imagine it's a blast. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird to me that the, the Jersey guys has never really heard of throwing the swim baits as much. Well, the guys you were speaking to today, because you know, I know out in the Bay, they'll, they'll throw like basically like the umbrella rig, which, you know, for better lack of terms, it almost looks like a umbrella and they'll have like six to eight swim baits off of it and hooks and, uh, it mimics, you know, schooling bait fish, and they they love those and the bucktails too. So, I got I got some bucktails. I'm gonna sit up to you that I don't have much use for. So oh, I love it. Yeah, send them my way because I lost one today. <laughs> I think I had probably the exact one you have, the white, you know, five eighths of the ounce. Yep, that's the one I lost today. I was so mad. I have um, I think it's a quarter ounce still, but the um, the other one got stuck in the rock and I, I just couldn't get it out. You know, the first time you ever see a bucktail jig, you look at it like, why would fish eat this thing? So when you see that hair in the water, I mean, it, oh, it swims so nicely, Joe. Like yeah. I, I was watching it, and and it was funny because you know you think it was talking to Brian a little bit on my brother on the way back, and I said, you know, we we have this like image that you have to cast so far out to catch these fish or any fish, and lo and behold, like majority of the fish I caught, I caught within five feet of me. Yeah, I mean, when that bait's running like that, like you said it was, I mean, I've seen that down south a lot. During the summer, you'll just see these huge bait balls come through that extend for, you know, it seems like miles. You know, that bait ball is just filled with predators chasing it, you know, whether it's party boats or rockfish. Well, those and, party boats were there, man. They were so close to the shore, you could see the people's faces on the boat. Yeah, you, you were on the school. You were on the school. Yeah, it was it was awesome, man. And I, I would have stayed longer. I had some things I needed to attend to. Here. It, it wound up being a beautiful morning. I mean, I was not, I wasn't cold. I had my gloves off at some point. Like I was wearing layers for sure, um, but like I, I didn't freeze up like I thought I would. Um, and you know, that's any indication. Twenty something degrees when I got down there, right? Uh, I should be okay, like doing this through the winter, really, right? Yeah, I mean, if you have the right gear, I mean, and you're staying warm, you know, and you see those guys up north on the ice all year long, it, you know, the key is layers and, and the proper gear, you know. And you can do it all winter. They say, I was missing your voice. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah, for what? some reason, uh, this Apple update is really, I don't know what's going on. Like, I can't see here in this platform like any of the icons it's like super weird but anyway yeah. we, we know how i feel about the update but yeah yeah i'm sorry i can't be on video well, I, mean, I could now well that's all right. next time yeah but you so so to go back for a second so the the to retouch on the raptor trust they're a rehab center um and they rehab birds so they're not just they're not an aviary that's an aviary is where the birds like live like they're living with yeah them. i meant to say rehab center but man so the the fishing was pretty cool I, I think um i definitely get why people love striper fishing and it the allure of it right like i don't know it's it's something different than the other times that I've been down the shore and I've been fishing like in the summertime where there's just so many people around when you're down there early and on the off season and you're you almost feel alone out there. Um, yeah, you know the striper fishing too. I mean, it's a good fight. You know, they're 
fun fish to catch. They, they, they taste great. I'm not a fish eater by any means, but um, striped bass or rockfish are just delicious. Um, but the catch, you know, catching it's really thrilling too. Um, and the way you catch them, you know, throwing a swim bait or moving bait, that, that is always fun to me rather than just throwing something out there and, and, and letting it sit. And uh, so I, I do love sticker fishing. It's been a while, but it's an absolute blast. Yeah. So we were hoping to be able to go on a charter, but you're, I was just going to bring that up. You know, we're you're back on our do not travel list. I think the only state not on the travel list now is is Rhode Island, if I'm not mistaken. Well, you know, that's the thing. You know, I was looking forward to it. It would have been a blast. And it looks like the rockfish are really biting up there too. And, uh, well, New Jersey well, comes through again. It just started happening, quite honestly. I think, um, I, I, you know, the reports for the past couple of weeks have been terrible. I mean, we had this bout of warm weather up here that you know, the the beachgoers were taken to the beach and sunbathing. I, I think I was telling that in the last time we spoke, and it's uh, crazy that that it's been that warm, and then now it's twenty something degrees the other night. Like, come on. It switched so quick, you know, it, it, it like, yeah, it, it was so beautiful the last tournament I had, which was two weeks ago. I mean, that day was 74. I was in shorts. And, you know, here I am now with like three jackets on and four pairs of jeans. And That's because you're a madman, that's why. Yeah, well, that, you know, I, I do like to look like a homeless person sometimes, but I, I, cold weather is not my thing anymore. You know, I love it. To go snowboarding, but unfortunately, I, I can't do that anymore. Um, yeah. I, I'm ready to go south. <laughs> but I, I guess that warm weather just really uh, slowed the, you know, the rock, well, the, the striped bass, their, their migratory patterns, I'm guessing. Maybe with it being warmer, they, they stayed where they were at a little longer. Yeah, that would be my guess. I, I think they definitely did stay up north a little bit longer and are starting to make their way down here. I, I you know, if if the smallies I'll say that I caught or the schoolies that I caught today or any indication of what the massive sized ones are like, I oh man, I catch a forty inch plus striped bass. I mean that fight. I, I'm trying to remember. I mean, it was probably a good twenty minutes to bring that thing in. I mean, it was huge. Uh, one of the guys who was out there with us, his name is Ashley Green. I mean, he's a big dude. Uh, probably 6'6". Six, six. I mean, 250. I mean, he's a big, big dude. And um, it, it was very hard for him to mainhandle that fish once it was in the boat. I mean, they're, they're just such strong creatures. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well... I, I'm sorry you can't make it up this year. Uh, maybe for the spring run, <laughs> when they're coming back north, we'll be able to do something, but um, get out on a boat and, and do it. I, I, I think we were talking about Brian and, and I was saying how I would love to you know, get my fly rod out there because they were. it's not like you have to cast far to catch these schoolies. Like we're literally in, in the breaking on the beach. It was, it was wild. Yeah. Well, I, I think there is a group of guys who will – 
fly fish from the shore, right? Salt fly fishing. That, that's a thing. Yeah. There's a lot of people that do. Yeah. It's um, becoming more and more popular. I think um, that's how I, I mean, obviously I heard of it. I knew that I, you can saltwater fly fish, but it's more synonymous. I would say with going down to Florida and going after, you know, those. Right. When they're on the, like they were in Biscayne Bay on the flats out there. They used to, a lot of those guys do that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I, that, that that would be something in itself to get, get a striper on one of those. I mean, that I can't imagine. Yeah, I, I I've know. never fly fished. I, I, Go ahead. Just, to me, it, it's, it's an art form, that whole motion and everything. It's like, like meditation. Like yeah. Well, you always think about, what was the movie with uh, Brad Pitt? And, oh, uh, River Runs Through It. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that movie's spectacular but you know that that introduced a lot of people to fly fishing it's one of those things to me it's an art form that whole whatever they call it the casting they do yeah and the timing is just nuts well yeah. you know what you know what else is an art form what's that taking pictures with your carp yes that is that is an art form to speak about. You you broke up for a second there, but yeah, it is an art. I don't form. know how you feel about it. I yeah, it's something that needs to be talked about. Yeah, I I I follow carp fishing. I it's on my target list, and to say I haven't caught one, it's not entirely true. I haven't caught like a I would call a grass carp um, on the fly rod, but I am definitely on the to do list. Um, so I follow it on Instagram, just like hashtag carp and hashtag carp fishing. And my Instagram feed is full of Eastern Europeans posing with their <laughs> giant carp catches. And it looks like a marriage proposal photo. It really does. It really does. Like it's, or, or it kind of also reminds me like when somebody gets married, you know, and they carry their bride across the threshold of the house. Oh, there you go. That's a good one. That's a good one too. But it is, it's like, I don't know. Carp fishing is not my thing. That that's your thing, and, and Joe Joe Malloy, you know, yeah. carp fish. Um, well, I don't carp fish, but like I, I want to catch one because I'm yeah, intri- intrigued to see what it would be like, especially on the fly. But but like Europeans love carp. Now to us, it's synonymous like almost like a junk fish, like right yeah, to demean them. But they're like you're just they're everywhere. Like there's no fun in it. But the people that catch them here in the U.S. absolutely love catching them like joey but you have these eastern europeans and these europeans that this is their like main like sport oh, they're nuts i mean even in england like um there was this youtuber i watch some of his videos sometimes i think he lives in maryland or virginia he's like really into um like um off the grid living kind of and and you know going out in the wild and be able to to take care of yourself and he also fishes and him and his family went on a trip to england and, and uh he wanted a carp fishing who's there and there's like these ponds and lakes there they have like shanties where you spend the night in and you, you rent the shanty for the night and you carp fish all night and you sleep and you have all these crazy alarms set up it's nuts to me <laughs> well it's almost like it's, those those famous resorts the fly fishing resorts right like in upstate new york um yeah. labrador and canada and Alaska, like that's it, but for carp fishing, right? It, it's the, the one place he was showing 
I mean, they were like little log cabins. When I say log cabins, I'm being nice. I mean, they were literally just a log hut with two cots and beds and like a little. Oh, well, once again. Always a man on the go, Joe. Oh, well, once again, I, I would, like I said, I wanted to do today, but things came up. We've, I've been working on the base petition room. For, but, uh, yeah, that, that whole, those, those pictures, when you send them to me, they, they crack me up because, like you said, it, it's like an engagement picture. The guy, you know, is just holding this huge thing and smiling like you won the lottery. It, 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 they're it's, nuts. It's a guilty pleasure of mine to, to follow carp fishing. And, and I showed Donna pictures of them and she goes, that is, I don't know if to say it's cute or ugly at the same time. She goes, but what the heck is this person doing holding this poor animal like that? Like, yeah. like they want to kiss it or God knows what. Like the, the, the last one you sent me with that one guy, I mean, the thing is so huge and his belly's like drooping between his arms. And like she says, like the guy wants to make out with it. He looks so <laughs> Yeah. Like, you always wonder if you know how they have the furries. Like, you know, oh my God, furry. I don't even want to get into that. Yeah. Carpies. Maybe oh, there's something. Carpies. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking at that picture right here. I mean, this guy is like, it, the Instagram page is the carp life, right? Like, it's, <laughs> um, like that fish must have been so much fun to catch. But like, he is, and this isn't like a romantic picture, the one that we're talking about. It's, it is a sheer look of happiness. But the one before that, this guy's in like this field and he's holding this, <laughs> this wheel of a, of a carp and he's got his chin resting on the back of the fish and he's looking uh, down at the head of the fish and he's just saying stuff like why would you think that it would be okay to take a picture like that like like, we were like I posted the photo of me in the, the lake trout that I caught a couple weeks ago and I like I'm smiling ear to ear like I'm happy but I'm not looking at the fish like like any other way than like I'm happy as heck that I finally caught one of this fish right. that was on my ear Meanwhile, these guys are catching carp and transferring them to the nearest sunflower field to take a picture. <laughs> Carpy diem. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Carpy. It, it is something. Carpies. I mean, we're going to coin that phrase. You heard it here first, right? Yeah, trademark carpies. <laughs> it, it's, I mean, you know, well, I was, I'm I was crazy about to... bass fishing, but you'll never see me <laughs> no. in a field with a bass. No, you won't. Essentially. You have like this whole subset of, of, of fishermen and fisherwomen that are just like, I mean, yeah. we're, we're obsessed with the species that we're obsessed with. But like, I never knew that there was an obsession with carp like this. And it's, it's intriguing and kind of scary at the same time. Right. Me neither until I saw that thing over in Europe, like a show like a, a year ago. And then I started researching. So I'm like, why, why aren't these guys, you know, and women, you know, going after bass or going after, you know, species we, we fish all around the world? And um, I was surprised to find out there's a ton of countries that, that don't have bass in their water um, mm. or in their country. And, and, and there's actually a few European countries who consider bass, um, like we consider carp, you know, or like uh, – there's fish on the Ohio River, the carp there, they, they consider them nuance, uh, nuisance fish. Are those the uh, ones that jump out of the water? 
Yeah, yeah. I forget the country, but it's one of the Slavic countries. It might have been Czechoslovakia. Don't quote me, but they asked for on their, their nuisance list. Like, if you see this fish in the water and you catch it, kill it immediately. And I was reading this whole article. It might even have been Masters, um, where there's a group of guys over there, you know, trying to convince them otherwise. Like, no, 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 they're not. Don't kill them. You know, they're a sport fish. And uh, I guess that's why it's so big over there, that the whole carp thing. I don't know. It, it, it is, like you said, it's intriguing because it, it, like fishing with pieces of corn and hot dogs and stuff and dough balls, to me, just is not so much my idea of fun fishing, but well, I, I guess some people really like be, it a lot. But there's something to be said about it, right? Like it, it's it's got to be relaxing. Like you're, you're True. casting in, you're letting it sit, and you're hanging out in the chair, drinking, doing whatever it is you're doing. And, you know, you have an alarm set to your rod where when something hits it, you get up and you do it. Like, it's not active fishing. Like, I, my ADD, I don't think, would allow me to, to really get into that. I, you know, that's why when I go, when I was doing the cat fishing, I, I had my other rod with me and I was bass fishing while I was waiting for something to hit it. Cause See, I, that's I, oh. my ADHD wouldn't let me do it either. Yeah. Yeah. Man. But that, I guess that's maybe the Lord of something. Like I know the one guy you saw doing it. It was good because he had kids, and and like I said, they they rented this hut on this pond or lake, and you know it was like a kind of a camping trip for the kids. And at the same time, the lines were out there, and if the alarm went off, you know, then the fish, the kids got a chance to you know get the thrill of catching a fish. So I, it's good in that aspect. I mean, I definitely can see the fun in that in a way. Hmm. for kids yeah yeah and i think you know even for like when we get to a certain point right like and we're not as mobile as we are now like you know the fact that you can catch a, a fun fish like that in yeah. the pond without having to go far or on a boat or anything like that like there's there's definitely an allure to that as well and i, I i'm not gonna knock it because i it's not my no. thing but like like it's funny if you haven't seen these pictures you, you gotta go on there and take a look I'm not making fun of, uh, of carp fishing you know anybody who's fishing that makes me happy you, you getting out there and enjoying the outdoors but like mike said the, some of the pictures i mean straight legit look like 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 engagement photos or you see like the you know all the people who go to the sunflower fields in the fall and make their pictures it's the same <laughs> some of them are the same type of deal I won't say that we do that, but we, we don't take pictures of ourselves there. We take pictures of the sunflowers while we're there. Correct. And Correct. now we take pictures of the birds because apparently I'm into birding out of nowhere. You're a bird watcher now. Uh, well, well, dude, do you see what these sunflower fields are charging now? Oh, my God, man. It's ridiculous. So growing up by the country, like, there was always this one that the locals knew about, and it was never you – know, it wasn't like it was a secret, but I guess somebody found it one day and – the whole thing just exploded. I saw one place that was charged, I think I heard like $75. Wow. It was something oh ridiculous. And I, I think Ben Gravy, the surfer, him and his um, fiance, in one of their episodes, they, they went somewhere. And I think it was like $25 they were charging. Yeah, I think that sounds about what we paid. And I, I, that's reasonable enough to me, I guess. Um, but, yeah. you know, in the time of COVID, I mean, we, we went this the end of summer and you know you don't want to walk around with a mask on and you know i'm not no 
it's it's hot out and the early fall and late summer is always a weird time for me it's like you can't tell if it's like humid or you know dry and you just you feel kind of i don't know it's dry in your throat i don't know it's just like it's just just allergies you know having the mask on with the allergies no i i completely get it so I am not a huge, I wasn't a huge fan of that aspect. They requested that when you were around people, which of course you, you were going to be, he had to wear a mask. I'm like, I'm outside, man. Like I, I, I prefer to be, that's why I like going to remote places and being outside yeah. and I'm not around anybody and I'm not worried about anything. So to me that that's part of the, of the thing of getting out in nature is, is actually being out in, in, in nature, you know, not, necessarily being surrounded by 8,000 people you know it's it's your own time you're out there it's quiet and, right and, and and peaceful and just a good time you know yeah especially for people who live you know close to major metropolitan areas or you know work in that hustle and bustle it's, it's nice to get out there and get that time to yourself and and decompress well, that's what this guy said today that I was talking to at, at, down the shore fishing. And he was like, he's like, it's something special this time of year when you're down here. And even though you see other fishermen, like you're not surrounded by just mass numbers of people. Like, you know, we saw that when we went up to Aeroflux, right? Like just so many people hanging out and just shoulder to shoulder almost on the water. And you're like, where, the, you know, that kind of takes away the fun of, of going out into the wild. And I, I don't know call me a romantic yeah. but like i want to feel the yeah. i want to feel like i'm i'm really in nature and i don't want to be next to 500 different people like i'd rather you know it's okay if there's some people right you know it's like when i see people in central park on nice days you know like the first nice day of spring or something oh, it's just just packed you know it to me that's you know not being out there and 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 getting that time to yourself, you know, they, they can't Especially, go to Central Park now. I don't think so. They came to New yeah. Jersey. Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I the day we you. were out on the water, I mean, on Aeroflux, you know, the morning, crazy, it, it felt like winter out <laughs> here. I am in shorts and flip flops and I had to <laughs> find emergency blankets in your cars, but you know, through the day it got really, really hot. It, and man, there were so many people on that, that, that lake. And, you know, Aeroflux is a lake, yes, but it is not a, by any means, a huge lake. You know, it's, uh, I don't know the size, but, I mean, it was just packed. And, like, that one flat area, I mean, Christ, how many people are out there swimming and kayaking? It was insane. It was it was crazy. But, you know. All the New York plates. And, and we saw that when New Jersey opened up their state parks we went hiking out by the gap in, in this little stretch that I love. And it was it, when we were coming back, we had to go through Worthington state forest and that borders up to like Mount Tammany right before you get into PA and the, you know, Delaware water gap area. And there's Mount Tammany's trail. It, it entrances right off of 80 there. So these cars were parked all along route 80 in Jersey in like, like on the shoulder and people were walking and they're all Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, like you name it. There were license plates parked shoulder to shoulder on the highway. And route 80 is a major highway. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. You know, 
in a sense, it's a good thing. Like, I'm, I'm happy to see all these people getting out and, and experiencing it. But um, I've also noticed that along with that influx, because we saw it down here too, came a lot of litter and, and things you usually don't see, you know? Um, right. And, and, and that is a shame. But, you know, I, I do feel for people, you know, when they're in another state and, and they're locked down and they, they can't get out there enjoy that stuff so right, I, but it defies the logic of it all too I true think, it does you kind of say like okay well your your state or your town or city is locked down like that doesn't mean you get to go someplace else because that that logically would say that you're now potentially spreading a <laughs> virus outside of your area like that's that just goes against the whole need for a quarantine i don't know i it, it, I, I think this is a a deeper that's a whole other line yeah, but like it's it's definitely crazy and I, you know i don't know what's gonna happen and now my buddy said to me today he's like i don't know what i'm gonna do in the winter time like he's like I, I usually you know go snowboarding and yeah now it's like he's like what do, what do i do like i'm I'm gonna get stuck in the house for the next four it's months it's gonna cause people a good bit of depression it's like you know i snowboarded my whole life as much as i possibly could just like i do fishing yeah unfortunately i haven't been able to do that and probably never be able to do that again due to an injury and let me tell you, it, it stinks when, when, you know, winter as it is, it's cold. It gets dark earlier, you know, and where we live, it's not as easy to go out and fish because it's freezing and a lot of the places closed, like reservoirs and I'm going fishing like all that. winter long, Joe. I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> For me, I would need a boat to do that. And I, I need to get on the bass boat train. Yeah. But but back to your friend, like him saying, what's he going to do? You know, that, that was his, let's say, release for the, you know, good time for the winter, you know. Like, well, me too. Snowboarding, this decompression time. Now that's gone. Right. Like, well, like our, our mountain here in Jersey is a mountain creek in one of our mountains, I'll say. It's the closest to, to me here. And I had a season pass. I've had a season pass a couple, a couple years in a row and have had at least one every so often since high school. And yeah. Like last season, I think I went like three times a week. Yeah, you were out and, there a lot last year. Yeah, yeah like I, I really enjoyed myself. And it, it was my release and my way to get exercise and get outside in the cold months. And, yeah. it, the, you know, I, I kind of paused it a little bit this year and, and didn't want to get the get the season pass because I, I don't know what's happening, right? Like they, right. they're saying, oh, well, you know, we're going to limit the number of people. And it's like all right, I, I get that. But like, if there's a state or national like, lockdown, like, am I going to be out of the money? Like, I want the mountain to continue to make money and everything like that. But yeah, you know, given with the circumstances in the world, like you can't support everything. Like, nope. And the thing is, season passes aren't, you know, something that's cheap. You know, I, I don't know what they cost around the Creek, but you know, they're hundreds of dollars. Right. You know, that, that's, that's a, a lot of money to throw at something if you don't know you're gonna be able to do it and like you said i mean all you guys i mean roseanne was always out there i mean your whole family your nephews and you know it's skiing and snowboarding has always been a winter sporter even cross-country skiing that 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 makes that winter very enjoyable yeah i I do i feel for people who can't do that this winter it 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 stinks you know yeah i'll just you know honestly i'm gonna stick to I'm going to stick to fishing. I'll fish, um, 
I'll probably try and get plan. my way up to some of the salmon lakes again and continue to do, you know, these small stream fishing just to get outside. You know, it's a, it's a great release and, and way to unplug and get away from your devices. And I was thinking that today, like I, I didn't, I didn't take many pictures or many videos. I took probably about like four minutes worth of videos and maybe three pictures of three of the five fish. And it was, um, you know, it, you get caught up in what it is you're doing, but like, yep. it's good. To that happens that. to me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's winter. You need to do that every so often. Like, that's why I go camping. And you know, we were talking about Lake George. It's like, I want to go someplace where I, I, I'm not worried about checking my phone and I don't have fear of missing out or FOMO. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this winter, you know, if everything clears up, man, I'll get you on my Tenkara and, or you can use my real, my regular fishing rod, my fly rod, and we can get out on some of the streams and try and get you on some trout. Yeah, definitely. One thing I tell people, because a lot of people think, you know, wintertime, oh, fish aren't biting, oh, blah, blah, blah. It's not a good time to fish. That's not true. You know, fish don't stop eating for four months. You know? right. they, they still eat during the winter. And you can still go out there and, and catch a PB. I mean, it, you know, if you look around on bass pages, you'll see guys catching huge fish in the winter months um, it, it is definitely more of a can be more of a grind you know with the gear and staying warm but if you have the right stuff and you layer yep it's 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 you know it's it's definitely doable um, yeah, and that that was the key today right is layering and, and last night too right? and also getting those hand warmers man like <laughs> yeah it, it lifesavers when it comes to doing stuff outside. I mean, especially if you're fishing and you're standing in the same spot and you're, you're waiting even like that, it gets cold real quick. Well now, you know, there's, there's fishing companies that have gloves for fishing in the winter, and, you know, that, that help keeping the hands warm. And oh, so my snowboarding, my snowboarding gloves I was wearing this morning before I took them off. Uh, yes. I really agree. I, see, the thing is it would be perfect if they could get something like that. But it's so hard to cast with. Oh, dude, I, I was having, I was getting so annoyed, and holding my rod was annoying because of the way that your fingers are so padded. It didn't like you really had to squeeze. Yeah, you lose your sense of touch, kind of, because they're so padded. You know, yeah, yeah. it's that is a strange part, you know. But I mean, they make gloves. You know, I think Afco, Sims, companies like that have gloves out there that are that are tighter, almost like the driving glove type of style that 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 work well the only issue is when you catch a fish you gotta take them off and get your hands wet that the hand warmers would be awesome to have i mean that's definitely something i would suggest bringing if you're going to go out you know fishing in these colder months unfortunately you know i i live literally half a mile quarter mile from the reservoir for some reason here that they, they shut down you can't even do shore fishing you can, but the thing is, the the areas that are accessible for shore fishing, it's so so shallow um, that you know you'll you'll catch them there, but it's just not a high percentage, not not even a middle ground percentage. It's a low percentage, you know. Mm. Um, a lot of times in the winter, the bass will go deeper. Um, yeah. they, they do for the warmth, which is crazy when you think about it, but you know. It, it, it takes a little longer to cool down there, they say. Um, so, so they'll go deeper. So, so where the majority of the bass are, I'm going to want it. the shore spots. You know, around me, you're talking anywhere from 
inches to three feet deep, maybe. Um, the reservoir is not that deep as it is. I would say 95% of the deeper spots are really only accessible by boat, but uh, it, it doesn't freeze over too often. You know, you would think it makes a ton of the money. The thing is, it's owned by the city, even though I'm not in the city. Okay. Um, so I'm guessing that comes into play, maybe why they close it. No, I could understand if they keep it open once it freezes, then shut it down. But to me, it, it's just very kind of bizarre because the two other reservoirs the city does own, they keep open till I, I, sometime in December, but they don't have the boat rental. They don't have, you know, the, the service that this one place has. So well, the place by me, you can actually go rent a boat for a really good price and go out. The other places aren't manned by anybody. It's just, if you have a boat, you, you bring it and drop it. But the problem is, I've discussed with Michael, it's in Maryland and at these reservoirs, you can only have electric motors. You know, in other states, they, they allow you to take your bass boat in there as long as the motor's propped up and you can use your trolling motor. These are, you can only have boats within a certain size with electric motors. And um, to me, it doesn't make sense to buy a reservoir boat that I can only drop in three reservoirs. Because that, that's the other point of it. If you get the tags to be able to fish these reservoirs, you're not supposed to take those boats anywhere else except those three reservoirs. If they find out you do, it's a big, giant fine. Hmm. So, well, I think that's a good place to leave it off, Joe. I think you know the moral of the story is: is you need to get a boat. I need to get a boat. And oh, it's going to happen by next season. It's going to happen. Once I have mine, you're going to be fishing a whole lot more. And I can't wait for it, Joe. Joe, always great catching up, man. And uh, we'll uh, you too, brother. We'll talk soon. Like I said, I'll be back on video next time. <laughs> yeah, we can need to see your beautiful face one of these days. Yeah, my hair's getting longer. The mullet's getting stronger. So, <laughs> yeah. well, Joe, thanks, thanks again, and uh, everyone, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. All right, brother. See you. Thank you, guys. Right. Bye. Bye. All right, so that was Hacker Outdoors with Joey McCormick. This was episode number five. If you like what you heard, please go ahead and give us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to or watching this on. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Please make sure that you do check the show notes below um, for any links to some of the topics that we did discuss. So I thank you all for listening. I hope you have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care.